and welcome. You're listening to the Green Majority Podcast. Here it's our holiday edition, part two, being recorded on January, uh, January, I said it during the episode too, December 29th uh, is when we're recording this live. We're about to go for our last little couple of days of break here before back to the slow grind that is uh, January. Uh, we hope we had a, some fun show for you. We actually had a bit of an uplift show today. I think you'll enjoy it uh, as well as appreciate it. And uh, as well, just our last quick reminder that there is one week remaining on our application to get involved with the program. There is uh, some form of an honorarium funded uh, position, uh, the details of which will still be worked out because we don't know exactly what they're going to do because we, we haven't found the person yet. Uh, but if you uh, are interested in helping with the show and uh, a little bit of uh, funding for your time would help make that a stable and reliable thing for you. Uh, if you have tech skills or radio skills or journalism skills or any of those other skills, we don't necessarily need all of them. We're just looking for people who can contribute. If we find all in the same package, we will uh, probably go with that plan. If we find a few different people who can contribute, that's great. If you if you want to help out, but you don't think you can do any of the job and you're not particularly need the money, maybe you're only available once in a while, uh, there are also positions for you as well. So this is the time to make a New Year's resolution to help the Green Majority. You can do that by being a volunteer. You can do that by applying for the position. Uh, you can also do that by becoming a member, you can go to patreon.com uh, right now and uh, become a member. Uh, recommended donation is $5. You can put whatever you like, uh, but that is a recommendation. You can do that at Patreon, which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash green majority. Sign up and do it today. And we'll look forward uh, to after next week's show, Stefan and I will sit down and, and start going through this, some of the stuff. And we hope that for the rest of you listeners uh, uh, and for our already existing, uh, very appreciated members that we'll be able to start ro- rolling out some of that cool stuff, some of that extra shoe shine polish very shortly in the new year. Take care. Have a good New Year's, everyone. We'll talk to you real soon. Welcome, you're listening to The Green Majority. It's true, you're listening to The Green Majority. It's live uh, for us here on uh, January, uh, January. <laughs> you're skipping ahead there. <laughs> January 2017, we're going to redo this year. <laughs> what, really? Do we have to? No. Great. Okay. You're listening live on December the 29th, or possibly on our podcast in the new year. Who knows? Who's to say? Uh, but it is The Green Majority. I'm your host, Saren Keister, and Stefan Hostetter is also here. It's doing? a dark studio in a dark building in a mostly empty city, <laughs> is what it feels like. But well, Certainly uh, with all the snow, it definitely feels a little quieter. That's right, but we're here. Yeah. You know, just take, we're going to have some fun. Um, so there is some working backwards. Uh, uh, there is some sort of commentary on the the American 2018 elections a little bit here because and I did a little bit of that uh, a week or two ago when we just sort of dove into the Roy Moore phenomenon for a moment. I'm going to do a little bit more macro. Um, there's an article Stefan sent me, which was very useful. Uh, but that also, as usual, started a cascade of thoughts and ideas and that's become a whole thing so that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be at the end uh but stefan you're gonna lead us off uh right now while i uh, get our, our tech stuff started out because we gave our techs uh, the holiday yeah um, and so i have other things i need to do here so by the time i mean uh, do a show stefan <laughs> and i'll uh, i'll be right with you all right thank you so much uh yeah so it is as you as you mentioned the 2017 last show of the year uh and luckily uh we don't have to live 2017 again uh, 2018 is here. 
Uh, now, I feel like after everyone was ruining the end of 2016, foolishly walking into 2017, uh, I'm not going to say that 2018 is going to be amazing. Um, but uh, it's still, it's still a. Every time you get to this like kind of, you, you get a, sort of a chance to relook at the last year uh, with some perspective. And this show, as I mentioned, I believe, I think I believe you mentioned this last week. That occasionally, uh, this, I am told this show is too depressing uh, for my family members to listen to. Uh, and so we're going to try to fix that at least for this one episode. This one episode is going to be largely positive news. Um, and. And to start off that, start off with that, we're going to talk about some of the actual positive things that happened in 2017 around climate change. And so, we know a lot of the bad things, you know, uh, all of the hurricanes, the fires, the flooding, uh, the the U.S. planning to remove itself from the Paris Accord, the getting of the EPA, the approval of the Keystone XL and Dakota Access pipelines. Uh, I could go on, uh, but. Uh, in the, you know, here in Canada, we approved a couple pipeline uh, pipeline as well, uh, and that's just, that's just bad stuff that happened in the environment section. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're only yeah, we're not yeah. Let alone, I'm not. I'm really talking from even 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 from a climate perspective. I'm barely even touching the you know some of the the more insidious and losses within the EPA, which the American state is the regulatory state is being dismantled, uh, which is an would could be an entire show. But again, we're being positive this this episode. At least we're going to try. It may by the end of this episode, we may entirely fail. But the goal of the episode is to be mildly positive. I feel like we have our own version of positivity, yeah. and I think that I think the listeners understand. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good news. Um, and but and so it would be relatively easy to to go through sort of this list as a, as a as a somewhat of a disaster uh, for for climate, and and yet there remains reason for hope. And the and it's quite wide-reaching. And part of it, you have to look outside of the United States uh, and outside of sort of some of the more traditional places that you would look for for hope in regards to sort of this kind of action. Not that the United States has been a, a, a huge climate leader or anything, but the, as they go, often the world goes. But one, uh, perhaps the most interesting, one of the most interesting things, uh, and perhaps one of the most controversial things I'll say in the show, is that the most powerful man in the earth believes in climate change. Uh, mainly because that man is not Donald Trump. Uh, at least if you listen to The Economist, uh, and if you sort of are following enough things. Uh, with the, we've sort of seen a rise of, of, of China, especially as, as, as the United States has sort of shrunk. Yeah, as, as sort of, you know, America first really means America only. And so they're sort of, as they've removed themselves in some ways and exerted themselves in other ways into the national scene, uh, it's left some opening uh, for what everyone presumed would be sort of the, the, the expansion of Chinese interests on the national sta international stage. One wonders how much of Trump's foreign policy was simply a, like, childish, oh, yeah, how about this, uh, to Hillary's, like, stronger together. He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we're stronger apart. Yeah. I, I, we're going to be apart from everyone, and we're going to be so strong. Yeah, so strong. Yeah, I'm sure a decent percentage of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, so we'll start with China. Uh, uh, President uh, Xi Jinping uh, has done a lot of things to consolidate power within China amongst himself, which is a different issue altogether. Uh, but that has sort of led the economists to believe that he's the most powerful man in the world now. Uh, because he has sort of more cons as much as much consolidated power as as there has been in many many years in China, and he believes in climate change. So at least we have that. That's it's, it's 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 I know it's a low bar, everyone, but it is a bar that we have passed. Um, and yeah. there's I think uh, sorry, and just yeah. before you move forward, I think I think it's worth noting something for for people who don't regularly follow sort of international politics um, to get you up 
to speed a little bit on that, and I'm sure there's people who really, really follow this who are gonna who are gonna not like my <laughs> oversimplification of this. So I'll just allow everyone, just allow us just to meet in the middle here for a second. Uh, China's whole strategy, or at least the China's strategy under uh, Xi Jinping, um, has been essentially hard internal power and really soft external power. So inside China, the, anyone who disagrees is just crushed. <laughs> a human rights, human rights violator, just absolutely nasty stuff, torture, all the rest of it. Internal, super hard power. Soft power external means essentially is that they're more about like backroom deals, quietly making arrangements with people. Can why can't we work this out? Blah blah. blah. It's usually it's like they're not really you know while while Obama was up there grabbing all the headlines, China was behind the scenes doing doing an awful lot as well. They're just a lot more in the sort of like cloak and dagger style. I don't necessarily even necessarily in all cases mean uh, something insidious, but that that's sort of more their their style. So when you don't read about China, that doesn't mean they're not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, yeah, they're now they're now up to the United States with as as the leaders as one of like they're neck and neck now with how much money that they're giving out into the world uh, in in different sort of in, in sort of aid, and that and with that aid comes a fair amount of power, uh, and and so. And so, out of China, there's there's been ongoing reduction in coal use for the third year in the in a row. Uh, has actually had a major impact, and and it and we'll it will see if they continue uh, at similar rates in the next decade. But they they had a goal. China had a goal. Their Paris Agreement was that they would peak emissions by 2030. It looks as if they actually might be peaking now, um, and 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 keeping that keeping roughly around uh, 12 gigatons of CO2 per year. Uh, it, it, it will slight increase, but it, they expected to sort of we're in the plateau period now, which is much earlier than sort of expected, largely due to how much uh, coal uh, they've been they've been managed to sort of phase out and how much coal they're not even building. Actually, it's a lot of it. You know, there's a point in which they were canceling as many coal plants as existed in the world or something like that. It was like a it was a they had a very strong shift at one point, and it's and it's seeing some benefits now. I will again. The tempered expectations. This still does not come close to what they have to do to hit the, the the targets. But they're at least hitting their own internal targets, and then they're actually increasing the targets further, as they've already surpassed uh, their PV development target for 2020, and as now has doubled uh, their PV. Sorry, that's a uh, photovoltaic for solar energy. Uh, they've doubled that target at, for 2020 in response to actually already hitting it. And wind energy deployment is also on track to exceed its 2020 target by 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 about a, by roughly one fourth. And so these are good things. Now, again, there's a second part, which, which they're doing very well in CO2, have not yet really stepped up in, in other, in other uh, greenhouse commission gases. So, you know, methane and, and things like that, that actually end up being more powerful. They, they've not yet figured out that part of it yet. And so due to that fact, they're still actually expecting greenhouse gases to, con to continue to increase for those reasons rather than CO2, which is an interesting problem uh, at the face of it. But at least, like, things, positive things. So, so the, the beginning of positive news stories. Mm -hmm. um, so one more thing yeah. before we move on is that all the other thing about China as well is that China essentially is doing what I've been advocating for the last six years of the show, the six of the last ten years of the show that Canada should be doing, uh, which is you know get so far ahead of the curve. And I mean they're in a, they are in a, even a little bit of a better position to to do that because they're currently the world's manufacturing floor. Yeah, they have so much manufacturing. Um, so when when their the whole strategy there is they like okay we under we understand as anyone who's paying attention understands but because of their sort of the the power structure of how you know government the, the sort of authority that that a capitalist minded uh communist government 
uh, can do and, and sort of just be like, okay, we're going to do this now and we don't care. And just too bad. If you, if you're the loser on that, then you just lost suck it. Um, but what it, that allows them to do is what they have been doing is they're, yes, they built a whole bunch of goal plans. Yes, they did all this stuff, but it wasn't because they didn't believe in climate change. Their whole thing was we need to get ourselves so far out of the curve on this renewable energy thing that when everyone else has no choice, but to use it for whatever reason, either because it rolls out or the cost gets too high or, or climate policy comes in, like whatever it is, there's going to be a day and it's very, very soon. It's worth planning for when everybody's switching everything on the planet to renewable energy. And we're already the world's manufacturing floor and we're going to have all the best technology on renewable energy. And so the entire next generation of, of energy generation, we're going to be making all of it. That's their plan. And it's been the plan all along. And, and we, can, we can try and get on that curve too, to some degree, maybe as a partner with China in some you know, respects, or maybe not, maybe just as direct competitors. Um, but it's going to happen. <laughs> and China knows it's going to happen. And if we don't do something about it, they're, they're going to be the next superpower for the next uh, infinity years, because they're essentially going to run the next phase of our global power system. Well, it's interesting, right? It, it, when, you, when you think about the concept of who will be theoretically the battery manager, Manufacturers or solar panel manufacturers and stuff like that in, in a sustainable economy, that is that the people who are doing that will become the the similar versions of, of, of where we see resource extraction technologies existing now. So, you know, the fact that Saudi Arabia and Canada um, and, you know, in, in some ways Venezuela and some of the other sort of uh, oil rich nations were able to build themselves up on the back of of energy. It's all, it's all energy. You know whether or not its energy is is manufactured or or pulled out of the ground. That's that's still the step that we're going towards. And so whoever is big making these batteries and and solar panels uh, will be the ones who will be sort of you know the first line of the ones making money off 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 the next stage of of, of power. Um, so other good news, uh, Energy East got canceled. That's a great Canadian news story. Hurrah! Uh, and that one was not, and that one is was not a, a a government decision. It was actually a that was a much stronger example of uh, on the ground action and and enough people in in Canada making it as hard as po- possible for as long as possible that the action that, that you know that Trans Canada gave up on it. You know, let alone um, the Northern Gateway pipeline, which which Trudeau stopped. Uh, it it sort of showed the power of of, of well, they both were came out of sort of the the a lot of the actual work done on the ground and, and making them unpopular and and really fighting them. But I think it's almost more impressive when you are able to make the company stop trying than waiting for the regulator to come down and stop it. Right, and I think a, that's an extra step and it shows an extra sort of flex of muscle from the activist community. As an and as a micro uh, lesson in our in my ongoing uh, series of how to read the news, when you read in the Globe and Mail that it says that you know Trans Canada stopped or you know Enbridge stopped whatever this or that pipeline, that you should translate that as activists succeeded. Yeah, uh, they didn't just do it because they felt like it, and they didn't just do it because they went, oh man, you know what? It turns out this is bad for the environment. No, no, they turned out because people stopped them. Yeah, <laughs> and even if that's because for financial reasons, that's because people made it financially unviable. Well, so and, that's and, people power. Yeah, and delayed it for years. You know, like there's a energy. If Energy East was had not received the the fight it had when it started, it would have been basically built already. Yeah, it would have been in the ground already. Like, yeah. uh, so way to go, activists on that front. Um, uh, Did you other, say it sounded like you said radioactivists? Radioactivists. <laughs> That's uh, like a triple entendre. Yeah. Well played. <laughs> 
Uh, unintentional, but I'll take it. Uh, so what other fun, other good things? Um, ma- Americans' concern over global warming has actually increased weirdly this year. Like, mm-hmm. it, kind of amazingly, and maybe maybe that is a bit of contrarianism against against sort of the complete buffoon in 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 office. Uh, but that it, the Americans are is, is at a three decade high, which is kind of impressive that it's a three decade high because that means they were in 87 people were really into 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 believing in climate change and then and then lost that which seems to me like an interesting example actually in the second half of the sh- in the middle part of the show I'll, I'll chat briefly about uh how the denial machine and, and it is interesting that basically in 87 was a previous high and then now in 2017 we've gotten back to where we were when people were just starting out right you know, well and to, to, to tease power to yeah to tease the lead <laughs> on that yeah. one instead of bury it yeah that's that's because between 1987 and 19 like 2012 uh, but you know, hundreds of billions of dollars were spent by oil, co- oil companies via um, uh, via those uh, Heartland Institute and, and stuff like that to to confuse people. Yeah, yeah. They say eighty seven, eighty eight was when the denial machine ramped up, and then it it worked. Yeah, way, way to go, oil companies. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. Yeah, on well, yeah. more on that in the in the same break. Other great things: P- prices for batteries and renewable energy keep plunging, uh, leading to major mile- milestones in decarbonization, including. Which is a, which one I did not know. Uh, half of all U.S. coal plants are now at least in the process of being retired. There you go. Uh, which is pretty huge, and mm-hmm. also way to go, Trump, on your war on uh, stopping the war on coal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still still half your coal plants are not uh, not going up there. So maybe maybe realize that's silly. Well, you know what the fastest way to end a war is surrender <laughs> <laughs> that is that is fair uh the other good news uh, britain and france both pledged to ban the internal combustion engines so these are cars run, running gasoline uh and there are some hopeful signs that china and california could soon follow honestly if china and california follow it's over uh china uh, california has such a weird amount of power i find these little things interesting the the types of where places have um, where s- certain states have extra power is very fascinating to me. Uh, you know, there's a whole thing if you want to know about how Texas controls textbooks in most of the South. Mm-hmm. Like one small board of people in Texas decide what to, what they will use, and then because of buying power, everyone else just buys the same things. So this weird small school board, in, uh, like uh, that, that that decides on textbooks in Texas, has an enormous amount of power in the United States, which is chocked full of absolute. Uh, Lunatic, yeah. Uh, it's Christian. not. A, it's not. A, it's not a great. It's yeah. not. A, it's not a great. Great. Great fact. What I've heard called, and I'm absolutely comfortable calling it this, the Christian Taliban. Mm-hmm. All right, you can. We'll leave that one to you. <laughs> uh, the the but the other version of this is that California um, has uh, has an enormous amount of power over over regulations on car efficiency. It's so much so that basically. The uh, Canadian scholars understand that whatever California sets its regulations as will eventually will shortly then become Canada's regulations. There's such a direct link from California's buying power of cars to enough of the states, other other states. Basically, a car manufacturer will, will so badly want to be able to market to California that almost everyone else will sort of start following suit as California makes a switch. So if California and China both made this commitment, I would say that we would probably see a pretty much end to combustion vehicles by the, the date that they set, if they were, if they mm-hmm. were seriously uh, act, worked towards it. Well, and, and in addition to that, as far as that connection between California, there's also the, the, the like, the oh, I forget what the agreement is here, usually the one that talks about that, but there's, there is a like climate agreement specifically with California. I don't remember. If oh, okay. well, Cal- like- so California is it's California is part of the has their own carbon trading scheme. 
Right. Uh, so it's California, Quebec, and Ontario are all part of the same trading scheme. But then there's also the like International uh, Association of Mayors of, for Climate Change right, or right. something as well, which also California the uh, has some mayors who are big players in that. And uh, Toronto's mayor was traditionally a part of that group as well. So there's there's a lot of connection between not just Canada and California, but spe- even specifically Ontario, Toronto, and California as well. Yeah. Uh, other new great good news: a majority of Americans are willing uh, to pay to reduce their own carbon footprints. Um, and three quarters of cities, as the mayors, uh, are planning on ramp up action to slow climate change. And the last, as, as we say every year, the solar industry is still growing. Uh, it's still growing quickly, in fact, even in deep red states like Mississippi. And so, there is at least some reason for hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, these, this sort of a, that was sort of a, a shotgun out of of generally positive news stories and things. But I think it's important sometimes in this sort of. Um, in the sort of culture that we live in and the sort of news bombast that we live in, especially all the bad news that we start to hear all the time, to remind everyone that the world keeps going. And Trump can tweet out, yeah, I think it was yesterday, about how, about how it's cold and so climate change doesn't exist. And that does not change any of the actual facts of these things that have happened this year and the things that will happen next year and the incredible work that is being done across the globe of people sort of putting themselves in front of the sort of carbon... Uh, carbon monolith if you will and and so i think it's despite the fact that 2017 will is certainly feels like a very dark year uh it's important to know that even in those dark years there's a fair amount of of people out there who are uh, there's a majority of people honestly out there still fighting the good fight and still bring and still delivering some incredible things you know it's if it's weird to say that in a year where Energy East and Northern Gateway are both canceled, uh, in which you know some of the, in which the amount of effort that's been put on some of the other parts of the national stage, the fact that we've started talking about the end of combustion vehicles, uh, all of these things that we're still going to sort of feel like it was sort of a down year for climate is kind of amazing, mm-hmm. um, because the the average year ten years ago was 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 sort of much more depressing there was not the same momentum there was not the same like i think i think we've shifted up our expectations which we need to given where we still have to get to we Mm -hmm. need another version of this ramp up unquestionably um but i think it's important to note that thing good things remain to be happening yeah and i think i mean that's and you know we're we're coming in a little worse for wear a couple weeks ago and so you very 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 aptly uh corrected me live uh live on air to be more specific about what i meant when i was just saying that you know relax we're gonna win thing i was basically just like you know trying to let people enjoy their holiday (laughs) but the 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 point which you helped me be more clear it wasn't that you corrected me you you helped me be more clear about was that you know of course that is a counterpoint to that there's that sweet spot and that there's a counterpoint to like don't lay back losing as you as said that name of that article was like losing or winning slowly is the same as losing yeah uh is it sort of this is sort of that's an example an a- applicable live example of what i was sort of talking about there which was you know despite trump despite all these things there's so much forward motion um that it's going to move forward anyway you know the pipelines are getting canceled and these clean air things are happening even with without the us if necessary but like the, the momentum now is is significant and unstoppable um it's just other people putting their hands on the brakes so yeah it doesn't it means we're going to win but it does mean that we have to still continue uh fighting uh but i by what i was sort of hoping to do and i'm i'm hoping to do now more eloquently is is essentially is that we should feel a bit of a, a breeze at our backs on that front where momentum is now on our side it's still not clear if we'll sort of get across the finish line in time uh but things are looking good and and a little bit of effort now goes a long way because of that all that sort of inertia if you will 
uh, on a variety of fronts, uh, as I think you did an excellent job of summarizing. But I think right. that's I think that's where we should go to break. Yeah, totally. Let's break uh, it up. So I'm going to play, uh, I did have a minute to Google Music uh, this week, so uh, we're going to listen to Repartee uh, with Dukes, uh, and then we'll be back in a few minutes, and we're going to talk about, what was I going to talk about? We're talking about Wyoming. Ah, yes, Wyoming. Okay, when we get back. Uh, more fun climate news uh, jokes and generally relatively upbeatedness from us uh, this week on the Good Majority here, live at CIUT or your wonderful community radio partner uh, station with us, who might be very appreciated for playing our show. Uh, or you could be listening on the podcast where you get all the, the juicy goodies as well. Uh, lots of stuff on the website. Check out there as well. Still a post up there uh, that's pinned to the top uh, regarding some uh, special opportunities uh, you can check out the website for that it's pinned to the top of the page we've got about a week left on those so check out the website if you haven't yet greenmajority.ca other than that we'll be right back after this music break and welcome back you're listening to the Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM our wonderful and very appreciated community radio partners or on our podcast which you can find at greenmajority.ca Stefan, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about climate funding denial, but first, Wyoming. Yeah. So there's two stories. The first is a story that came across this morning when I was when I was reading up on on the climate denial one actually, and because of the fact I, I get in these weird tangents from time to time, and occasionally they totally work <coughs> out. Uh, and this one particularly has 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 come back in a in a big way. So I, I had to mention it, which is that a couple weeks ago I took a completely random shot at Wyoming during a show, uh, and a, a listener had sent me a, a, and for more information about Wyoming, which only then led me to further completely unnecessarily trash the state of Wyoming. I will fully admit I have no reason to be uh, vindictive against the state of Wyoming. However, uh, I like how you say that and then I say however. You know, as if... as <laughs> um, The... Uh, there's an article out on, on, on Wonk Blog, which is part of the Washington Post, which is titled, Why People Really Want to Move to Idaho But Are Fleeing Its Neighbor, Wyoming. And interestingly, it, it, does, it dovetails very well into why, uh, why, what we need to be doing to, to, to as, a, as a country. I think it's actually it, it's quite indicative of how Canada needs to move forward which is stop being Wyoming uh, and becoming Idaho, which is really is basically the argument here. And it's and a part of it is that um, Wyoming is 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 losing people. Actually, they're, 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 they've actually lost a percent of its population, e- include even with births being even even though their actual birth rate should incre- have increased it. So many people have left uh, have have been leaving um I've been leaving Wyoming uh, over the past year or t- well, past couple of years, well, 2017 specifically, that it remains to be decreasing. Its state is actually getting smaller, despite what's neighbor, literally side by side, is is Idaho that's actually increased by by over 2%. And so this was an interesting question. And when you look into it, it's, it is quite illustrative of, of something we need to realize, which is that coal... However, yes. I'm sorry, I need to interrupt you yeah. here briefly, just for fun. Um, I'm going to interrupt you briefly with some cool things about Wyoming. Uh, did Great. you know that Wyoming was the first state to give w- women the right to vote? I did not. Take that, Stephen. All right, well done, Wyoming. I'm, uh, again, I, 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 I can't argue against historical Wyoming. <laughs> I'm only arguing about 2017 Wyoming. All right, I just, I'm just trying to throw them a bone. Yeah, Continue. that's fair enough. Give Continue. Wyoming some cred. Um, so uh, they... They basically bet on coal is is the short of the answer. Wyoming and West Virginia not only they bet on coal, uh, they bet on on other types of mining uh, and in natural gas. And as 
and, and as in the natural gas basically in some ways reduced the power plants dependence on coal and and then the price of coal has, as we've been talking for a long time has been decreasing uh and for for quite some time and and Wyoming and Wyoming's coal production has been has been quite staunchly decreasing since about 2013 2014 2013 um and so this is this is important this is especially important for a country like Canada who are is currently heavily heavily betting on resource extraction as our as as remaining our primary primary um mode of tra- mode of expeditions and and this is an example of which has it, Wyoming is, is is struggling and Idaho which produces no coal to speak of uh and has no significant petroleum or natural gas reserves is is booming and and so, so they so this is okay so what is what did Idaho do instead and what Idaho did was that they diversified their their economy you know they they actually invested in in things like in in things in some sort of you know it's it's hard to it's hard to say so forestry is a weird touchy subject because like you know good forest management is allows wood to be a renewable resource bad forest management can really just destroy ecosystems and so i'm not out to say that forestry is is great but it's in, but it is certainly better than coal mining and and but also into technology and into a, a variety of other uh, other sectors that have sort of allowed it to remove itself from from sort of more resource based based economies, which Wyoming has certainly not. You know, Wyoming in 2016, 20 still 20 percent of its state GDP uh, came from coal, and so and so this is a this is and that is and everyone thinks like I've always thought of Wyoming as West Virginia as the as the as the big coal company or big coal. Um, State, and but even f- compared to them, it's only about eleven percent in West Virginia and twenty percent in Wyoming. So it's Wyoming is really still hooked on coal in a big, big way, and and that and that alone is 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 quite important. I'm afraid I have to interrupt you again. Yes, uh, to partially rescind my congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it turns out, upon reading a little bit more, that historians believe that uh, while many people did believe that women should have the uh, right vote, that uh, and that a significant number of legislators voted for it just to be able to say that they did, believing mistakenly that it would not have enough traction to pass. Oh wow! Uh, so, they so they accidentally, accidentally did it? <laughs> became the first state to give women over twenty-one to vote. Well, all right. Well, at least at least it happened. Wow. So that's something. Um, now, hopefully, Wyoming can bumble into something else good uh, because uh, they are losing uh, they are losing serious amounts of people um, to to all across the United States as as people leave the the coal industry and and they and and, and they've and that should be a thing we should realize as Canada. I, the, 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 this is mostly important because it should be an identification of the importance and the dangers of betting your entire your your state or your country's. Uh, value on mining and and coal when 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 there's other opportunities out there and so let's Canada let's let's be Idaho and let's not be Wyoming and I'll and I'll move on from insulting Wyoming maybe they should maybe they should uh, propose a sweeping extremely aggressive uh, climate policy and just to say that they voted for it yeah um, right. I'm sure it won't pass no exactly yeah just just go for it Wyoming 2018 right. that's your year yeah 2018, the year of Wyoming. Uh, if anyone from listens to the show in Wyoming, I'm sorry. Uh, I can't imagine you do, but if you do, I apologize. I just well, no, actually, I was thinking about a new game <clears throat> we could try for 2018. Mm. 
is we're going to mercilessly just tease random you all doesn't have to be always states but probably it will yeah. be <laughs> uh could be could be places in canada it could be places international we don't know but currently it's been the u.s for a little while when we, as soon as we somebody actually gets upset at us then we'll just spend the half a show just ripping toronto to shreds to make everyone <laughs> feel better yeah it oh, can be done oh we yeah just oh, easily oh yeah <laughs> um yeah well we had nottingham for a while but we were we were more i was more pro nottingham right uh so okay so after after moving on from the from the importance of knowing that Wyoming is a is a weird sad place. Uh, the the coal industry or or the or the or the fossil fuel industry and the climate disinformation machine. And we teased this earlier in regards to the fact that around apparently we pe- previously peaked around 1987 or 1988 uh, from when people believed in climate change all the way up into 2017. <laughs> and and so it's a question about why. And there's a really interesting article actually in on Inside Climate which is like a does a, did a very pretty seriously deep dive into sort of the history of climate denial in the United States and it's uh, and it's it's interesting and it's it's its title actually is how is 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 a little more positive than the rest of the article I discovered uh, but it was it was how big oil lost control of its climate misinformation machine and it sort of details how the the oil industry and um, and and fossil fuel lobbyists Early on, really, really created the denial machine. You know, they decided how they were going to talk about it. They, they were the, they were sort of the vanguards of, of climate denial, and 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 had a whole and had many conversations about how to sort of push. What's interesting? It's in, I find it as an quick aside. I find it very interesting listening to organizations that totally I totally disagree with having the same conversations about messaging. As as everyone else is, uh, what I find fascinating is that no one has actually figured out how to properly message to the vast generalizations of, of the population, and so you can actually have very similar conversations happening in a climate denial group and a and a and a climate acceptance uh, like reasonable humans group, <laughs> um, where about how to effectively get their message forward, but and and so for a very long time the the, the climate denial was really led uh, and run by run by oil. And you know this is you know millions and millions of dollars coming in from Exxon uh, and wealthy individuals such as Charles and David Koch. Maybe um, maybe a more clear way to put it would be more directly involved as opposed to now where it's more arm's length. Well, well, <laughs> more arm's length, but also, but also the interestingly the well, the, the way the article sort of dissects this is how it's Exxon basically has Exxon now has publicly taken sort of the the more the stance of we accept climate science, but we're sort of we're, they've moved. I think Exxon has moved on to sort of what I call the the new phase of climate denial, which is accepting it but delaying it for as long as possible. You right. know? Um, which which is sort of you know that that sort of predatory delay we referenced in previous episodes, mm-hmm. and and yet other places, but but places like the Heartland Institute and the people who are at the forefront of of climate denial have just gone off the deep end. And so it's interesting is that Exxon now is Exxon now is actually fighting internally with these organizations that they basically sort of in some way supported and propped up for quite some time, in in in, in places in just places. An example of this uh, is that there was a, this rift was sort of on display in a recent meeting of the American Legislative Exchange Council. So Alec, if you ever hear about Alec, uh, which you hear from time to time, so it gets like referenced in pieces and it's like you know like in like. 
parts of news stories and then they sort of move away because they they sort of they they have a they wield an incredible amount of power. They're they're a big conservative uh, group that sort of influences two, state governments. Two important things to know about Alec, really quickly. Yeah. One of them is that they have on dozens of occasions uh, been caught uh, with lawmakers submitting legislation that still had Alec's writing on it. Oh yeah, yeah. As in they uh, this is a group of corporations that come up with policies that benefit no one but themselves. Everyone else can can flag a fly can fly in the wind for all they care. Um, and they're ex they're just designed to make them more money. Uh, so, for instance, uh, uh, the the sort of thing with the NRA, where it's uh, we just want to sell more guns. Who cares? We're going to fight against uh, people on the terrorist watch list not being able to buy guns because everyone should have guns, even people on the terrorist watch list. Uh, so this is that sort of organization, and they've been caught in this is repeatedly. So they have organ they have relationships with lawmakers. They literally hand them policy. And on, on dozens of occasions, they've been dumb enough to copy it word for word into their submission. And in one or two cases, uh, you can actually look this up. They literally handed it in with Alec's letterhead still on it. Mm -hmm. It said Alec on the legislation when it was handed to Congress. Um, so that is a fun uh, fact. Uh, number two, a lot of your favorite uh, big uh, companies are in there, but many of them have backed out recently because of the more extreme nature of some of their proposals, like, for instance, giving terrorists guns because everyone should have guns. Yeah, so there's they are... They are, yeah, they're they're quite a powerful, especially within state governments. They, as it often happens, and interestingly, counterintuitively, uh, there was a study done a couple years ago in which, in which it was shown that that conservative and, and, and industry power is actually much stronger in play in in lesser known case in lesser known l legislative battles than in larger uh, than in bigger name battles bigger name battles people win it seems more often than not in smaller states in smaller battles conservatives are able to sort of swamp it with money uh, and and so that is an example and that is why Alec really focuses in some ways on the state governments and that was their and so th this is what they do and in a, they were in a meeting uh, to are, are they were discussing whether or not they should approve a, re a resolution calling on the EPA to withdraw the endangerment finding. So for those who are not familiar with the words endangerment finding, totally reasonable, uh, that is that is the face of the belief that um, that carbon is a dangerous uh, pollutant. It's, it's basically labeling carbon as a pollutant, which allows the EPA to regulate it. And this is something that, that Obama had brought in, it, brought in because he could not, because the Republicans wouldn't let him pass any climate legislation, he had to work in other ways, which again, it goes back to my, my much maligned point, uh, or, or, or much, uh, much stated point, that the conservatives, by fighting the market-based solutions to climate change, are forcing the hand of 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 of, of people to to force legislation on it. Because like Obama wanted to have a climate like a climate market or a carbon market, but was forced into legislating it through the EPA because they, they couldn't get anyone to pass the, the conservative a, idea for as it. As a reminder, the conservative proposal. Yeah. Yeah, was the, what Obama was trying to pass. Yeah, and then when it was Obama saying it, no, we don't like that. That's too liberal. Yeah, it, it was. Yes, yeah, it's, it's again. It was people like the Heartland Institute who are a part of this sort of denial. So they were. So ExxonMobil once was, was once at the forefront of climate denial, and still in many ways is is. But again, they've sort of shifted tactics. Um, is among was among several corporations and utilities that actually convinced Alec to not vote. On, on that resolution to actually to move aside and not try to fight carbon as a pollutant despite the pushing of the Heartland Institute and these other organizations that these think tanks in the states that are that, that, that they had funded themselves for quite some time and so this um, and and what's interesting is that in some of these quotes are great so the, the Heartland president uh, Tim Hulskamp man that guy's got like a 
H-U-E-L-S-K-A-M-P. That's quite the last name. Uh, Hulskamp uh, is a former Republican congressman from Kansas uh, and also the Heartland Institute's president, is, is quote, quote, calls ExxonMobil uh, just another member of, and quote, the discredited and anti-energy global warming movement. ExxonMobil is, is a part of the discredited and anti-energy global warming movement. I'm quite confident at some point, Stefan, I predicted years ago, I'm quite sure. I wish I had the tape uh, that I predicted at some point we would see the snake double back on itself so much that the climate deniers uh, turned against the oil companies. The very people who are being propped up by the inaction and started in the first place, because it always happens. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the tape, so I yeah. won't claim victory, but I'm quite confident that I predicted that. <laughs> um, and they went on to say that they've, and this is one I don't understand, uh, he claimed that they've put their profits and, quote, green virtue signaling above sound science. And I, I don't entirely understand how his might how Exxon makes more money uh, in this scenario, but that's not important. Activist corporations, yes. There's activist judges and activists. Right. You know. Exxon Mobil, the activist green, uh, right. the green economy. I bet their shareholders have, would have something to say about that if that were true. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and 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 what's interesting? What's interesting about this about about this piece is is how it it was an example of the the, the way sort of the shift happened was it moved climate denial moved away from a sort of corporate nonsense uh, as, a, as a, it's but 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 at least there was a time in which they tried to be serious they tried to they tried to, there was a, a there was a big movement to make climate denial serious as a serious movement and what they've shifted to seeming like almost all conservatism in the United States has shifted to is basically trying to get the Fox News viewers to agree with them and so the they've entire so the, the way they've the way they had now the the way the the big move now uh, in 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 sort of deep conservative Heartland Institute type climate denial is is not actually even to, to deny that global warming exists anymore. It's what they call the positives is the positive um, messaging, which is that climate is actually good for crop yields. They already and, tried and that. The one earth six is years greening. Ago. Yeah, yeah. Those, they're, they're, they're back. They're back at it. They're back at it. Um, that's the, and that is the that is the that is their new that is their new move. Is they're moving now towards saying sort of the climate that 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 CO two is good for plants. Plants eat CO two, so we're giving them so much more food. Um, and mm-hmm. and that is a sort of in that sort of easy to digest, but completely completely ridiculous claim um, is the shift we're seeing now in climate denial because they're trying to keep on to that small base of people who you know who are the still the Trump supporters who will watch Fox News and read Breitbart and whatever uh, instead of sort of trying to engage in the larger conversation that 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 is actually now happening which is the direction ExxonMobil is going so it's interesting to sort of watch these factions happen uh, but we're sort of heading up we're bumping yeah. up to a music break yeah let me uh, just really quick I'll, I'll close on the on the idea that, the, that this is an excellent example a, ca- a test case of something called a rhetorical box uh, and what that means is that um, if if they thought they think science is on their side or at least they claim that their position is that science is on their side so there's this thing called fiduciary responsibility so they could actually um, you would require some effort, but they have lots of money and lots of effort to spend. So this is something very doable for for those groups. Uh, if they thought this was provable, they could prove that this and they they could prove that this person knew this, that they could uh, demonstrate that this person was not living up to their fiduciary responsibility, and they could actually like start a campaign that could end with the removal of CEOs and and people in positions of power at these oil companies. Um, and 
uh, if their uh, position is uh, not backed up by science and they have to retract it. So they're sort of, they've put themselves by making that argument, they've now put themselves in a box, uh, which is internally inconsistent, which making an, an internally consistent argument doesn't prove anything. And it's one of the easiest things you can do. Um, and they can't even do that. Um, so from a rhetoric point of view, from a purely like argumentation point of view, not only are they foolish uh, and wrong, but they've put themselves in a, in a self-imposed in, internally inconsistent position, uh, which is a technical term for being dumbasses. Um, so the, well, you know, I think, but what it comes down to is that I think they're just hoping nobody pays attention. Uh, but it does demonstrate to me, at least to my minimum of evidence, that they're not being honest. Uh, that this is knowingly knowing dishonesty is my opinion, but I can't of course prove that. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to go to a quick music break. It'll be fairly short. And then we're going to come back and talk about uh, Trump and how he's likely in trouble for a variety of reasons on our good, uh, feel good new year's show. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. I think what I have is called pup. Yes. Just hang on one second. We all wait with bated breath. We, we are waiting with bated breath because now my Google browser is frozen. <laughs> Stefan, I'm doing my best here. That's fair. We're going to have to fire the tech today, I think. Oh, well, that seems mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. It's our feel-good show. They'll be put on, uh, ac what is it, academic probation? <laughs> as long as it's paid, I feel like that's what matters. The So to to, to, pre to preview, as again, as apparently me previewing the next segment is what allows you to get things to work. Uh, we are going to talk yeah, about... We may, my, the browser appears to have just frozen. We may just have to bypass this. I don't think I can restart the computer in time. All right. Uh, so... Welcome back go. to the Green Majority. Welcome back. You've this is the Green Majority. Yeah, on CIUT 89.5, or one of our wonderful radio syndicates. It is, uh, we're broadcasting live from downtown Toronto as it snows ever so slightly in a such a winter wonderland kind of experience that both Donald Trump thinks climate change doesn't exist and we are having a relatively positive show. Well, it's cold outside, therefore there's no climate change. Right, exactly. Gotcha. Yes, uh, but speaking of Trump, uh, you are going to sort of lead us into a little conversation about, it's from a Politico article, uh, in which it was titled very directly, Republicans warn, of, warn Trump of 2018 bloodbath, yeah. which seems like, I like, any blood, the words tr Trump and bloodbath in the same sentence is concerning to me, generally speaking. <laughs> it just makes me mildly uh, uncomfortable. Yeah, so maybe we can just say that they are, they that there is a lot of signals that we are going to certainly lose uh, some, if not many, Republicans in 2018 uh, to to elections, which is which is generally good news if you care about climate change. Generally bad news if you are the president. Yeah. So the 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 landscape, of course, we talked a little bit about uh, Roy Moore. Um, and there was uh, definitely some signaling there. I think some signaling that is being misread slightly. Um, I think uh, what is largely happening was that they were rejecting a, a monster uh, that didn't have any charisma. And Donald Trump is a monster that, that to some people has charisma. And so I don't necessarily draw a strong correlation between uh, what happened to Roy Moore and what may or may not be coming up. Uh, also because my capacity to believe that the Democrats um, are paid to lose and, and don't know how to fight even if they weren't paid to lose um, couldn't you know muster a proper campaign because they refused to actually campaign on the things that people care about and if they do cam campaign on things people care about they refuse to be specific uh, and so it's very hard to get excited about a Democrat um, at least an establishment one um, especially when you know many of them are, are perfectly happy to go along with with uh, all but the most outrageous uh, of Trump's proposals um, 
But that being said, there is still very likely that the Democrats will pick up seats and internally um, uh, Mitch McConnell, the uh, the leader of the Senate, I believe, the Senate majority leader yeah. uh, for the Republicans, um, is uh, talking about being concerned. He's the one, in some cases, using the word uh, bloodbath. And it essentially has to do with the fact that they've had one major legislative win. Uh, it was the one thing they were, they were never going to let fail because it was the one thing that paid out all their corporate donors. And so everybody rallied to get that uh, done. Um, but it, the bill itself has the approval rating approximately of Donald Trump himself as well, which is in the 30s. Um, and so I think that they're aware that while some people are going to say, oh, well, finally, look, okay, it turns out he can get stuff done and there will be a bump from that. There usually is uh, even, you know, even when with popular, unpopular legislation, there's still usually a bump when somebody accomplishes something, especially if they market that win well. Uh, and Donald Trump has demonstrated that he has the capacity to market well. Uh, however, his uh, capital as stock is going. Um, the investigation uh, by Robert Mueller, the special counsel, uh, is definitely nearing an endpoint. I think it's it's worth noting the the deal. Uh, there was essentially a, a number of people wearing wires and that sort of thing. Uh, and all of the analysts, although I am not a legal expert by any stretch of the imagination, all of the uh, legal experts I've been watching on TV. Um, well, I don't necessarily take their word for everything. They're, they're t when they're talking about process, I think this is fairly um, believable. And what they're saying is that as far as how you would run an investigation, it is very, very unlikely that you would start uh, leaking or releasing to the public <clears throat> certain uh, indictments or certain things if you weren't nearing a certain part of the campaign. So with a lot of the independent, you won't find this on, on MSNBC necessarily, although um, maybe on a couple of shows, maybe Rachel Maddow would, would get into this sort of thing, but not very not very much, uh, is just this idea that <clears throat> essentially the Republicans knew that this fish was going to sink to the top or was going to sink to the bottom, but no, that's a, that's a healthy fish. It was going to float to the top. Um, and that they just desperately were trying to sort of keep it all together, keep up appearances long enough to get this tax bill through, a.k.a. the greatest robbery in modern history of the American public to the rich uh, and redistribution of wealth upwards. Uh, and then just let them and then just let them go, which is why there was such a big rush to get it out. Uh, you know, 2018, mid, uh, 2018 midterm elections are still a little ways off, long enough that they could have spent a little bit more time on the bill. Um, even many of them, you know, admit that there's parts in it they quite don't like um, and, you know, and that they've wished, but that they just needed to get it through. And, and a lot of people are saying, and this seems to make sense to me, uh, that this is because a lot of people are pretty confident that Mueller is about to be knocking on at least somebody with Trump on their name's door, uh, probably starting with Kushner and working them way out, their way up. But we're, we're reaching into, well, we can't say what time frame, we're definitely reaching into some type of an endgame with that. And so if the Republicans think they're, they're in trouble now, they're going to try and ride this, this tax win, even though it's that many people still think it's a lose. It's certainly a lose in the opinion polls. Mm -hmm. um, but they're very likely, but it's not looking good. And that's even without the impending likely um, either 25th Amendment, uh, which is that the president is incompetent and his own Congress can remove him, uh, in which case very likely Pence would be simply be put in charge, uh, or being... Um, uh, what's the other word I was looking for? Uh, not indicted. Um, well, in, indicted and then impeached uh, by Mueller. So even without either of those things, um, it is very likely that Democrats will get into office, which at least will be some more, they are more open to being pressured on those priorities. They certainly can't be counted on for liberal priorities, but they're more open to pressure on those priorities. Uh, at least as far as appearances, they want to keep up. 
uh, and it's possible that in the next few months there is going to be some major legal news coming down as well. So, you know, that doesn't mean Democrats ride to the rescue. Um, it does mean that they're more likely to have conversations about climate change. It's that they're likely to undo at least, try and at least do undo some of the damage and at least f limit further damage. Um, but what becomes now is becomes pressure, instead of putting pressure on the Republicans to do the right thing, because they won't, uh, because they're paid not to, is to put pressure on the Democrats who are paid to lose, but it's hard to do that. So sometimes you can force them into doing something that you want, even if they're trying not to do it. Uh, is it where it, at least the Americans and, and by extension, the rest of us who are at their mercy to some degree or another uh, as Canadians uh, are in a good position to do some fighting back in 2018. Uh, I think the, 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 to continue the, uh, the metaphor, the battlefield is looking dry and flat. Uh, and I think we're up for a fight. Uh, I don't know if it's a fight where we're necessarily going to get a winner. I don't know if it's a fight where we're going to make any real significant progress. Uh, but the fight is afoot, if you will. And I think it's going to be um, I think it's going to be a very interesting spring here for 2000 for politics. Uh, and I think that this could open up some things because, you know, the, the I think the least the 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 most conservative hope I would have, Stefan, before I pass to you is um, is that enough Democrats get in to just put the, some serious breaks on the agenda and let him sort of go down, uh, you know, and that he doesn't get indicted, but maybe some family members get in trouble and it makes him look bad. And, and then they just, there's a real fight for progress uh, for uh, against Trump. The best case scenario is that um, Democrats uh, and liberals more generally in the U.S. take this opportunity to know that their party is very likely about to get some gains and make sure that the people who get those seats are actual progressives who actually want to do stuff about climate change and not just, uh, you know, be slightly less sellout to their corporate masters than the Republicans. Um, so there's some real opportunity here. I'm, I think it's too early to call that it's something worth getting really excited about um, because the Democrats are very disappointing as well. Uh, but definitely there's some reason for optimism. And if nothing else, time to get some popcorn because there's some stuff going to go down in the next uh, in the next three to five months uh, in the U.S. Uh, guaranteed. Yeah. That's I my see. analysis. Stuff. Uh, all right. Um, I'm So, yeah, so let's, let's spend the last five minutes turning our look to 2018 because why not? Uh, one of the most interesting things that I've learned from watching the – the the Canadian uh, political scene over the past 10 15 years has been what what the impact of building a lot of sort of organi there were there, there were there are still entire organizations of of mobilized active engaged citizens who were built up during and because of the years of Harper there the having that sort of that sort of face of um, of everything you don't want in power is an incredible tool to actually engage individual people and you know and and you are act and, and you're feeling and hearing that throughout the United States I think still to this day there's a a vast number of people who are not engaged beforehand who Trump has directly created and engaged populace that was one of the things that came back actually um, I, I based sort of part of the good news of 2017 off a article by uh, by Eric Holthouse, who's a who's a climate reporter for Grist, and he basically at the end of this year was you know as a, as someone who's deeply involved in climate change was generally depressed and sent a tweet out being like hey followers tell me all the good things that have happened and a big over, one of the overwhelming things that that came back to him from that from that ask was the number of newly engaged people uh, who are 
who are out to to really try to do something and and who are willing who are going to put you know boots on the ground and actually get out and try to try to change this and i think that that groundswell of support is the only thing that will ultimately lead us to i think a a true answer i think if there's if there's one if there is one um good thing uh, about, about Trump's existence, it is that it it enables one of the widest coalitions of Americans to be created. You know, this is not you know, if you just take everyone. You know, Trump is about thirty five percent percent support. The idea that sixty five percent of Americans agree on anything is is relatively astounding. Uh, and 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 so the and so there's an opportunity here. Yes, just this is a fun fact that I love so much. Whenever we're talking about stats that most people don't believe, but is absolutely true. Did you know that above eighty five percent of Americans believe in background checks for guns? Oh yeah. Never mind whatever happens in Congress or what any person on the news will tell you. Uh, almost everybody, including a vast majority of Republican voters, think believe in background checks for guns. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 it's things like that. It's, it's I think that's what it is. There's a but. There's so many roadblocks right now in the states because of the difference between because an engaged populace has has not yet really had it. There's not been a you know we saw the Obama Democratic wave in 2008, but I don't think I I, I don't think that was the same type of. That came from very specific. That, that, that was a they clearly won, but they, I don't think they won on one message. They won on a variety. Like Obama was able to bring out a massive set of Democratic voters across across states and sort of bring a whole bunch of people in power. But the, he got he got people elected who were who were who were who end up opposing him basically all the time. Like he de- he's definitely the reason why why some uh, of the Democratic Republican Democratic. Uh, Congressman won it during that uh, during during 20, 2008 who then just turned around and basically opposed him and didn't actually help him in the, the years that they existed and so the I, and so I think what we have an opportunity to do in 2018 and then going into 2020 is is build a much more longer lasting and much more deeply um, ambitious coalition I think that's that's what I hope. I, my hope for 2018 is that it is the beginning of a truly ambitious wave of legislatures, le- legislators. Let's not look at the people who can get sort of get, get elected. Let's look at an ambitious set of people who might be able to truly break up some of these roadblocks that we've seen in the United States and and and, and hopefully get some climate action. And then, you know, it's very states heavy right now because Canada's boring. Um, <laughs> this week. This yeah, week, Canada's, Canada's boring. Being, being kind of boring. Yeah. Well, there's a whole Justin Trudeau is, is has been, you know, violated ethics laws but that's <laughs> it's not exactly climate related and so we're technically not our that. department yeah. um but that's my hope uh that we see that that and, and i think everywhere we see a more engaged populace everywhere in part because of because of trump and i hope that carries into 2018 and we actually we can we can be bold in our goals let us let us be bold in our goals in 2018 that's it. I love it. Thanks to you for the final word, and I love the leaving message. I will not add anything. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of The Green Majority. You can find uh, this episode, any parts you missed, as well as notes to the links uh, for the stories that we uh, chose on the website, as well as a special announcement that we've been for a little while, but if you haven't listened to the podcast, you haven't heard it, because uh, we only talk about that on our bonus material, so you have to go over and get the podcast at greenmajority.ca to find out about that. There is one week remaining uh, starting today, and uh, if you are listening to the podcast, you already heard a little bumper at the beginning of this show if you're not go to the website get the podcast uh you're missing out without it greenmajority.ca other than that have a good green week thanks so much and we'll talk to you in the new year take care